This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds, you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and I might later on be joined by AL, but today I just want to jump right into our conversation because it's always to give you the game on business so you know what's new, what's going on, and how others are making it happen. Today's guest is the owner of private label chocolate.net. Feel free to follow that website and all their social media while we continue this conversation. Ty, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I, I had to. I'm gonna I'll give a backstory. Um I saw the private label. It was either an ad on social media, and I said, wait, private label, chocolate, uh, influencers always want to get into a new product. I said, let me call and see what is going on at private label. And I spoke yeah. with Ty. And he gave me the rundown. Tell me the history of how Private Label started. Yeah, so it, it's pretty simple. Um, it comes from a, a background, to try to make a, a long story short, background of uh, I, I'm involved in family business. And my father-in-law years back had a chance to get involved in a, a chocolate business. And it was actually a resale business. And over time, what we found is the private label chocolate that had grown organically on the side from uh, other business clients coming and saying, Hey, could I create my own chocolate? Um, had kind of transferred into a very healthy organic business. And so we looked at it and we said, Hey, why don't, why don't we formalize this and create something that could add more value to, to businesses and also give people a very creative marketing tool um, and also a, a great branding tool by being able to use chocolate to get their point across. So that's kind of a, a short story of a long story is it went from uh, some retail chocolate brands transformed into private label chocolate. And we just saw a way to add more value to people um, than just, you know, selling chocolate on a day-to-day basis. And so I got involved about a year ago. Um, I've kind of seen the, the business over the last 10 years as he owned it. And then we partnered up about a year ago and formalized private label chocolate. And that's kind of where we're at today. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of how we got involved in the chocolate business. I get asked that a lot, uh, just how the heck do you get into a chocolate business? But yeah, that's kind of a, a short version of the long story. <laughs> and and when you, when you get into the business and, and you're, you know, people would say, well, do you start with buying a factory, working with the factory? Uh, how how does that go and how have you grown um, from, you know, the beginning to what is now? Yeah, so uh, it was kind of a easy migration because from those, uh, from the retail days when it transferred over, we had just kept a, a small amount of equipment that had carried over when we decided to keep the private label going. The retail brands actually sold off. And then we kept going on with the private label. So we had kept one of everything in the factory. 
And we still have a very humble factory. I've got two chocolatiers and I've got uh, one person uh, that runs my logistics and kind of the factory from day to day. Um, but one of the main things that we wanted to do was to keep that novelty of making the chocolate ourselves. It would be easy for us just to go in and uh, kind of push that off to another manufacturer. Um, but we felt like that was part of what made us unique is that they're handmade. We know our process, we know our product, and we do have a proprietary product. And so that's why we wanted to keep it in our hands. And then it's also been fun to be able to invite our clients into the factory and also remotely be able to create videos and show our process of what we actually do. Um, and it's actually allowed us to innovate from a lot of different spots in that process to make us better at what we do. So it, it's worked out really well. Uh, hopefully that answers your question about kind of how we started the factory, but it's a very humble factory. We have about 3000 square feet total. Um, and I've got my two chocolate ears that can scale uh, at large because they've been doing this for about 30 years. Wow. And someone probably heard that and said, wow, that's a humble factory, 3,000 square feet. My my house isn't even that. Uh, but, well, so yeah. just in comparison, in the chocolate industry, at least from what I've seen, a lot of the factories you'll see, they've got pieces of machinery that'll take up 2,000 square feet. So when you look at our factory, um, we don't use a ton of equipment. We use equipment to kind of complement what we're doing. Uh, we've got a very efficient process. I'd actually put our process up against the machine because we've, you know, had the machines in the past and seen how, how those work. Uh, but yeah, when I say a humble factory, it would probably be in comparison to another factory. Uh, you know, if you went to Hershey's or even some of these mid-sized chocolate companies, you know, a factory's a factory. So they're massive. And like I said, they've got pieces of equipment that'll take up a thousand to 2000 square feet. So Okay. And we're talking chocolate and, and, and folks, so if you're driving and you haven't been able to check out the private label chocolate.net website. So these chocolates, you can basically put your own company logo or birthday celebration, whatever celebration on these chocolates. And I know folks hear that and say, wait, chocolate. I just heard chocolate is on the do not eat list because it's not, you know, <laughs> organic, no GM, this, that, the other. Can you tell us how healthy this sweet treat is? Yeah, great question. Cause I'm actually a super health conscious person, uh, even down to the ingredients and stuff that I use. So a few different things to consider. First thing that comes to my mind when someone says that, even in my own lifestyle is I believe in balance. So, you know, I take my cheat days and my, my cheat moments where I'll eat and I'll, uh, you know, divulge on, on whatever it may be, kind of similar to, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock does. Um, so that would be my first answer. And then my second answer would be, we don't profess that chocolate is, is something that's healthy. I mean, there's even conversations now where people are saying, well, you know, if it's above 70% cacao, then that means it's a superfood. I don't know. That's debatable. Um, but what I will say is all the ingredients in our chocolate are fine ingredients. So we've got no trans fats, no preservatives. Um, we actually do have a sugar-free option as well. So somebody that's maybe diabetic or more health conscious or keto, um, that's something to consider. That's an option. Um, but we use all the finest ingredients. Uh, we do have to be careful with what we say and what claims we make because we haven't 
you know, gone through the, the proper certifications. That's not something that adds a ton of value if I can come in and say that we're fair trade or certified gluten-free or vegan. Um, I can cross all those points, um, but it does take a, a certain process to go through to be certified as that. Um, but yeah, we use all the finest ingredients. And when you look at the ingredients of our chocolate, it's mainly, uh, you know, the raw chocolate and then the coconut oil is two of our main ingredients. So when you really look at that, there's not really anything there that's, that's too dangerous if someone's health conscious other than the sugar intake. And we use all natural ingredients. I know that may not uh, mean a ton to a lot of people, um, but it is, it is a better quality ingredient that we use. So hopefully that kind of answers any of the qualms there or concerns that people would have from a health standpoint. Yeah, and folks, health concerns is sometimes, you know, what you're dealing with. If you have high cholesterol, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're probably going to be a little concerned about that. I mean, I, I deal with that too. And right. I'm like, hold on, I've changed my diet. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. What else am I eating? And I know what it yep. is. It's the sweets, but that's me <laughs> having a lifetime of just you know, being, um, that's, that's my thing. So we, we, we yeah, and it's it. all in moderation. I mean, the way that we use the chocolate is we use it as a promotional piece and gifting. Um, you know, so a lot of our clients are only handing it out like a piece at a time. Um, it's definitely not, it is a higher scale chocolate. It's not a cheap chocolate. So it's not the type that unless you've got, you know, a lot of money that you want to be sitting down and, you know, eating 20 of them at a time, it's, it's a piece of chocolate that people remember that you can pop in your mouth and say, wow, that's some of the best chocolate I've had and enjoy that piece and not be something to where you're just downing, you know, a whole bag of processed sugar. Yes. We'll remind the people that you guys sold off the retail space where folks would binge and could eat probably as much <laughs> as they want. And, 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 and that was one of the things people that when I, I called Ty, I was thinking, like other influencers that we've had to create a product, but this is more to give away. They, um, Ty, let me know in the future, they may have something where an influencer could go out there and, you know, set, try to sell 10,000 bars in a month so they could quit the other platforms that, you know, sometimes demonetize them. I don't want to get demonetized on anything, so I won't mention uh things like youtube but (laughs) but but it's but it's you know it's it's amazing the things that you can do with product instead of giving away a fidget spinner give away some chocolate i'm sure kids will remember where they got a good piece of chocolate and even adults big kids yeah and that's really where we to be honest with you from our platform is we've wanted to really stay away from the the retail sector um, you know, we came from that sector and we really wanted to, to stay away from that. There's a lot that goes into it as well. So even if I was to private label and somebody wanted to go resell it, I'm not positive of all everything that would go into that, but there's definitely some hoops we'd have to jump through. And then the other thing from a business aspect that we've run into is retail's a, a margin game. So it's all about, you know, for us, if, if we were selling chocolate, it's, it's a matter of how can we, how can whoever's buying it get our margin down? And so what we're really looking to do is use it more as a promotional or a gifting piece and something that adds value to what people are already doing as a way to be remembered. So if you're a business, um, there's a lot of different marketing tools you can use, but what we're trying to teach and add value to is, hey, use chocolate and what you're already doing to be remembered as that chocolate person in whatever industry you're in. You could be in construction 
Um, you can tell people your name till you're blue in the face. They probably won't remember that, at least in my experience. But what they will remember is the good piece of chocolate you gave them. And then they're able to see that wrapper on there um, and they see where that came from. And they remember that. They remember that experience of like, man, I remember that guy. He's the chocolate guy. He gave me that really good truffle. Um, so that's really been our model. We've really tried to stay out of the retail model just because there's so much that goes into that. And it's a difficult business because it's a margin business. We, we're really focused on adding value um, and teaching people how to use chocolate to condense timeframes in marketing, branding, and sales. No, that's that's awesome. And, and it is, you know, chocolate is one of those things where people, if they find a good piece, I mean, I could see them going back to the businesses over and over, mm-hmm. like, where do you get this, um, yep. you know, th- this chocolate, which depending on what type of business you have, you might have to tell someone, hey, you're no longer <laughs> welcome to your next <laughs> appointment. You can't come to the doctor's <laughs> office every day um, and, and eat our chocolate. Yeah. How and difficult- we do We do have that. Yeah, you do have that. Yeah, we have chiropractors and dentists and a few others that use our private label. To give you an example, yesterday I had one of my chiropractors that came to me and he's like, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm in trouble. He's like, because I ran out of chocolate and he's like, all of my adjustments that I did uh, yesterday, he's like, they were sitting there going, are you kidding me? Like, you don't have a piece of chocolate for me after my appointment. It's just, it's, it's a great branding piece and people know that they love chocolate you know and good chocolate is good chocolate people remember it and people value it yeah yeah there there's chocolates that i remember decades ago going to get go to europe and saying hey what is this chocolate what is this chocolate and having to look and find that chocolate now online and say yeah we want that because yep you know, it, it, it's unique. When you guys were switching from retail to the private label chocolate brand now, did you have to decrease in staff and, and, and production of the chocolate or have things increased and things were just growing? No. So, yeah, we had to scale way back. Uh, we came from, and, and again, I wasn't really involved on the, the retail side completely. Um, but we came from a 60,000 square foot facility. And I think at one point up to hundred employees, um, now we're down to, you know, a 3000 net square foot facility and, uh, essentially three employees in the factory and a few administrative outside of that. But what we've also found is in that confectionery market, it's easy to get spread very thin, meaning that you know, if you're a chocolate company and you're selling retail, a lot of people are going to come back to you and say, hey, can you do chocolate bark? Can you do a chocolate thin? Can you do caramels? Can you do? And you're kind of from a retail standpoint, if you want those those retailers to continue to order from you, you have to accommodate somewhat, you know. And so now we've really dialed it back and we focus on one product and that's our truffle. And so our focus has been to make the absolutely best truffle possible, but then also make the process and the product more efficient so that we can pass along a efficient price and something that's very cost effective that somebody can use, like I said, as a promotional or a gifting tool. So yeah, we've really scaled back, but at the same time, I would challenge that our process and our scalability is just as healthy as it used to be because we're focused on one thing. It would be very hard if we had multiple product offerings. And I'm not saying we wouldn't 
consider that in the future. Um, but I'm really liking this model of being the best at what we do. What is it? Have you seen the science? What is it about a good truffle? I mean, I haven't found a person who doesn't like a, you know, it's almost like it's addictive and it may just be me because I can eat a whole bunch, but have you seen anything on what is it about the truffle specifically? Yep. So it's the, it's the silky smooth that gets everybody. And there, there's actually a science and I would say an art and a, a secret behind it. Um, the centers are the centers of the truffle, which is that soft, really silky smooth chocolate, um, is really where we spend the most time in our process. And it's probably similar for anybody else that makes a truffle. Um, but the art and the science behind it is, well, and also the ingredients is the coconut oil and also the cocoa butter that goes into that chocolate. But it's actually the tempering that goes into it that makes the biggest difference. And so you could have the best quality chocolate. Like I could bring in the best, uh, we use all Belgian chocolate, but you could bring in the best Swiss, Belgian, whatever it may be chocolate and pay, you know, as much as you can. And if you don't temper it right, I compare it similar to like ice cream. When ice cream's frozen uh, and it changes uh, tempers or temperatures too many times, then it gets freezer burned and you eat that ice cream. It could be the best ice cream in the world, but it gets that kind of gritty, sugary taste. (laughs) Chocolate similar to where, if you think about it, most of the ingredients that go into the chocolate are oil based. So if you think of the model of oil and water, oil and water wants to separate. So if chocolate's the same way, if it's not tempered right, then the ingredients want to separate. So you've got to be very good at tempering And that's where a little bit of our secret sauce comes in is our chocolatiers that have been doing this for a long time. They've got it down to a science and they can do it in their sleep. They know just how to temper it. And then they know when they eat and they taste that chocolate that they know that silky smooth taste. And if they don't get that silky smooth taste, normally it's not the variation in the ingredients. It's the variation in the tempering. Okay. Okay. It, it, there's there's definitely an art science and and you got to yep. be, be be careful cuz um you see everything like on YouTube DIY and do it just like so and so and when you try to make those things at least my experience sometimes it doesn't come out like so and so's um but you, it sounds like you need Oh and it a, doesn't Yeah and it's a matter of the transition of the tempers too so it can't you know similar to like us when you go from hot to cold too fast like you'll sweat and your body will do different stuff. Well, the ingredients are the same way. Most people have seen a chocolate with kind of like that white dusting on it. Have you seen that where you've had a candy bar or like a chocolate and there's kind of like a white dusting on it. Most people look at it and go, wow, that looks like an old piece of chocolate. Well, (laughs) that's not always the case. It's not that it's an old piece of chocolate. It's actually that the oils, the coconut oil and the different oils inside are sweating out of the chocolate. So it could be a two-day-old fresh batch of chocolate, but the issue is that it may have gone from hot to cold too fast too many times, and it's just sweating is all it's doing is those oil ingredients are wanting to separate out. So it probably still tastes just as good, um, but yeah, it is a transition in those tempers, uh, uh, temperatures. Sorry, I get so used to saying temper in our factory, but um it's the transition. So even when we take it from a melted and we, we uh, enrobe it, which is where we coat it with the chocolate, we don't, we don't just take it when it's in a hot state and go throw it in the fridge. 
or cool it down. It has to be cooled down over a, a, a very time transitional phase. If not, then again, those ingredients, they want to separate. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm interested to know that I'm in Seattle, so everything is Amazon. We, we wait and wait <laughs> for the day where the drones start delivering our packages. Yeah. Seems like majority of people here are fine with that, and I'm a drone pilot myself, so I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen anything? We've seen Amazon and even Google. They keep increasing their um, services and Amazon. Um, I'll, I'll focus on that where you could make a deal with Amazon where people could order and then send their logo and do everything from Amazon. Because what we found with different our different clients, whether they be in tech, but especially in tech or, or consumer products, you know, Amazon helps sell a lot of things. And it's almost sometimes, um, I don't want to say free marketing because Amazon has its yeah. own way of charging uh, companies, yep. but I say it, it's quite affordable, at least with our experience when they have a hot product. But have you seen Amazon may, maybe have a way for you, the way your system runs, and to merge them so you can be in the Amazon machine? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't looked, to be honest with you, into it a ton. I use Amazon quite a bit. And yeah, Amazon's made it super challenging for somebody that's in any type of logistics business of shipping, and then also e commerce of the ease of ordering. So we're always looking for ways to innovate and make our process the path of least resistance. I do think, and again, this is debatable, but going back to the business philosophies, you know, as a business, you kind of just have to make a decision on what stance you're going to make and what direction you want to go in. But I do think everything is getting so monopolized from that Amazon model. I do think there's going to be a time where people are going to kind of step back and start valuing the individuality a little bit more. Um, and from a lot of businesses that I've talked to that are involved in Amazon, they kind of get sucked into that Amazon model and they can grow so fast that it actually starts taking over their business. And it kind of goes back to that whole retail model where people become dependent on it. Because let's say I did go the Amazon model and I went in and, and my product took off. Well, if it becomes 75% of my whole business, that makes me lopsided and to me a little bit too dependent on Amazon. And then I lose control a little bit. And that was kind of the way the retail side of the business was as well, because you became so dependent on those retailers and they dictated what you did and also how healthy your business is because you became dependent on it. So for me, I've kind of taken quite a bit different approach. Our focus in our business has been more of, and it sounds cliche, but more the value we add and how healthy the business is, especially in a world where these a lot of businesses are getting rounds of funding and being able to grow at these crazy rates. We really wanted to stay focused on what we do well and tried to stay away from being monetarily dictated on, on what we do. So uh, again, hopefully that answers that question a little bit, but we've tried to refrain from going back into that model where we've become so dependent on one source of income. And so I've kind of taken on the challenge to say, how can I grow this and still not necessarily maintain control, but how can I maintain control over the health of the business 
instead of becoming too dependent on one source. No, that that totally makes sense. What what I've seen some folks start on Amazon and then if they don't like Amazon's margins because they always seem to go up, and mm-hmm. of course numbers go up too. People say, you know, I, I think I want to um, scale back, but that's a very um, smart thing because most people just think, okay, I just want to sell, sell, sell. But mm-hmm. as you're saying, if you're caught up in that matrix and and that's you now, how do you transition customers back? to knowing you if Amazon falls off the planet or if they just start saying, I want 80% of your profit, Um, you know, and, and, and yeah. And it happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that they're doing a lot, all the retailers and I get it like business is business. It's a game, but they'll, they'll knock, knock you off too. So it's like you become so dependent on it. They see what you're doing. You're essentially a testing platform for them, and they see it works. There's nothing that prevents them from just knocking us off. Now, they may not be able to copy our recipe, but I'll be honest with you. Like, our our recipe is proprietary, but it's not like there's no one else out there that knows how to make a good truffle. Whether it's our exact truffle or not, there's, there's plenty of people out there that know how to make a good truffle. So the other side that what we've really tried to do is, add value in teaching people how to use our chocolate as a promotional piece and from a gifting platform and providing that value and also being relationship-based. We love the relationship uh, business. When you get into retail, it's kind of like how much money can I throw at it and, and who else can I get, you know, give control over my business to be able to get out in front of people. With the way we're set up now, I have relationships with every single business and person that orders our private label and so I continue to market to them. And over my, you know, 20 year plus career, I've taken my tried and true philosophies, not that I've created, but that I've learned from the best of the best and then taken them and applied chocolate to it. And so that's really where the value that we add, not so much, don't get me wrong. We have the best chocolate, you know, self-proclaimed the best chocolate truffle out there, but it's, to me, it's what we provide our clients in that relationship and the value that we add is actually what private label brings to the table, not just another product of, you know, slap a a label or whatever and just sell a ton of chocolate. We could go do that, but it's just a totally different model and a model that we've actually tried to stay away from. Have um, folks called you and said, you know what, I, I, I like, I want this chocolate, but I want a unique flavor and if so like what's the weirdest thing you've said you've heard someone say you know can you make um i don't know a blueberry chocolate you know whatever whatever yeah yeah so we have um we've had people call and request that uh one of the caveats to that is we so when we make the chocolate we make it in batches so it's super hard for me if someone calls up and said hey can you make 500 like you said blueberry raspberry whatever it may be um it's hard for me to do that so i've got to have a minimum quantity if somebody does request that uh it's something that we can do i haven't really uh dived into that so i do have a few clients that have come and asked me i had one that was a actually a soda shop i don't know if you guys have any of the old school soda shops where you oh, yeah. order a coke and yeah so that that's big here in utah so i had a client that came to me and said look my best selling drink is a Coke uh, that's like a pina colada or a a Dr. Pepper with pina colada in it. That was their top flavor. So they came to me and they said, hey, could you make me 
essentially a pina colada chocolate. Um, and we did that, and that's not really a, a funky flavor, but it's actually, it turned out super well. It mixes super well with the chocolate. Um, but that would be one example. And then I get hit up almost daily or weekly about CBD oil. Um, <laughs> I, I, Are they from you know, Seattle? I get it. <laughs> well, they're from all over now, mainly from Colorado, you know, Oregon, California. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I haven't dived into that either because I don't know, I don't profess to know everything and, and I don't know the rules to that. I'm guessing that would be venturing into the, at least the nutraceutical uh, industry. And so if we were to jump into that, that's a whole nother set of rules. It's a whole nother setup for a factory. And so I just refrain from that. Um, but to get back to your question, one chocolate that I am working on right now our sweet, sweet and salty has been super popular. So we have a very, very, very good uh, milk sea salt toffee uh, truffle. And then we have a great dark sea salt uh, truffle. Um, right now, we're trying to set up a sweet and spicy because uh, that's kind of a, a craze right now in the, the confectionery industry as well. So we're trying to do a mango habanero. We tried to do a, a jalapeno lime thinking that that would mesh well with the milk chocolate. But what? what came of it was I, I tried the, the test batch and it tastes like dill pickle. Don't ask me why, but <laughs> it's just how it meshed with the chocolate. But yeah, that's what we're working on now. Um, I haven't, so that would be about as extreme as we've gotten, you know, people talk about, you know, could you do a, a bacon maple flavor or some different stuff there, but we haven't gotten further far enough down that road simply because I'd have to run at least a batch and I, that's 2,500 truffles. And nobody's really wanted to test it out at that scale. So we haven't really, other than our own testing, and I've got a list. I come from a, a sweet tooth family, so I've got a list that I want to try out um, of different flavors. And my chocolatiers can pretty much whip up anything I'd want to, and they can make it taste good most of the time. Um, but, yeah, that, that's about as crazy as we've gotten so far. <laughs> I could see somebody saying like even a champagne truffle and then if you had a champagne truffle, uh, are are they, are you at all uh, liable if, you know, kids get it? I I would think, you know, because it's always pushed to blame. I know there's not a lot of just having a hint of alcohol. um, I, I, I could just see, you know, people in arms, but if they ask for a champagne truffle, is that something that, that, can be done yeah i mean to to address that essentially we're liable for anything that goes on i mean that that's one of the challenges of being in a a consumer business and then also a consumable edible business is we're liable for anything so yeah that would be that would have to be something we'd have to address legally and then also again to see what other industries we may be diving into Um, because it would be easy just to throw an ingredient in to give you an example um, we've had some people that have questioned just to put some other oil-based products in and we've, you know, tested it out. And the, what we found out is again, it, it's entered us into the nutraceutical industry and that comes with a whole nother realm of stipulations. And so we have to be very careful with what we do. Um, we're always going to be liable regardless of what we do. Um, so I, to answer that, I don't know. And if we ever went down that road, um, I would definitely have to investigate it from a legal and ingredient and also a, a, an industry standpoint. 
Um, and so, yeah, it, that's what kind of keeps us a little bit inside of a box of we can be creative with our flavoring and we have a phenomenal flavoring company. It's, it's all natural flavoring um, and they can do pretty much about anything from a, a natural flavor standpoint. But when we, so to answer your question, I could, I could make a champagne flavor truffle and not have it include uh, alcohol or any other ingredients. It would just be a natural oil-based flavoring is what I would do if, if I went down that road. Okay. Okay. And when we were, we were joking earlier about the CBD, but I'm, I'm in Seattle <laughs> where there's a dispensary on every corner. Yep. And, and, and so I, I could just, I, when you said that I could see certain people, yeah, can I get the CBD? And then even the folks, can you add a little something extra in it and send it to me? Cause that puts you in a whole different type of business. <laughs> yeah. And when you're not and the funny thing is when you're not the one that's doing the manufacturing, there's probably some liability there, but I'm sure, you know, if they could get us to manufacture it and there ever was an issue, they would just turn and point at us and go, yep, there's the people you'd want to talk to. And ultimately we're going to be the ones that are, that are held liable. And we're also a business that isn't just fly by night. So we're going to be here standing and we are, you know, we value our integrity. So we've got to stand behind everything we do. Um, and again, I'm not saying I'm against it. I just don't know. I haven't entered into that game, so I don't know the rules. And if we were, um, then we'd have to enter in probably to that nutraceutical field, which would open up a lot of other doors as well. Uh, you know, we have people that ask us, could you make a, a protein uh, truffle? Could you, you know, include vitamins in there? Could you do a lot of different things? And I'm sure we could. It's just, I don't know the rules to that game. It's like going from basketball to playing, you know, badminton. It's like, I, I would just have to learn the rules of that game. It's not that we couldn't play it. It's just, we'd have to know what we're getting ourselves into and be able to stand behind it a hundred percent. Got you. This may be going back into the, the, the retail, but I, I wanted to know because growing up when all of us would sell candy in school, um, mm -hmm. It was like always the same one company. Everyone had the same one <laughs> company. There was a straight monopoly on kids selling candy. Um, yep. But I, I don't know if this would be going back into retail, but if schools wanted to brand their own chocolate, I know you're not doing the big chocolate bars yet. Right. Is that something that you guys have even, um, maybe you did it on the retail side, but is that something that could be possible in the future? Yeah, so we do have a few companies right now that are talking to us about more of a fundraising aspect and actually incorporating it into their product offering. Um, it, it is something that we could do. Again, I, I haven't really jumped completely into that realm. So as we're starting to venture into that, I, I'm trying to find what comes with that because there's also rules and different stuff, you know, from schools and edible items and packaging and disclosure on the packaging. Right now, we're just most of what we sell is is essentially a bag or bulk of 125 uh, private label chocolates. And, you know, some of those orders can be 125 all the way to 5000 at a time. Um, but our our packaging essentially is just a small truffle. It's just our, our wrap that goes on there. So we're very limited on what we can disclose or put on there. So we know the rules of the game of what we've been doing from a promotional standpoint, but I don't know if we were to get into that resale or even into uh, uh, fundraising mode, 
um, what I would have to disclose on that packaging. And then also on the back end, what I would have to disclose from a nutritional standpoint, because, you know, as you start selling it and giving it out to kids, you've got, you know, the allergens you've got, and we disclose a lot of that stuff right now, but I'm sure there's another set of parameters that I would have to stand by to be able to go into that resale market. At least when we were in the retail, yeah, you had to disclose so much. Um, and right now, again, we do disclose that, but it's a little bit different set of rules because it's a promotional handout piece, not a, hey, we're charging you and we're disclosing this from, you know, a, a multitude of different levels. So the, the the quick answer would be, yeah. I mean, we're, we're venturing into that right now um, just because we feel like there's a lot of value added, added there to, to clientele. Um, and we feel like it's, it's an industry that we can venture into pretty, pretty easily. So yeah, the answer is yes. We're going down that road right now. Okay. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be for the allergy table. That's the part that just had yeah. me kind of when I sent my oldest to school years ago, I was like, the allergy table is that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and I heard you can't bring peanuts or anything over yeah. there. And I just like, man, um, I wonder how many of my classmates coming up had suffered or are they just not making kids like they used to, I think is what I told her. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of different variables there and, and that's, you know, peanut and peanut butter is, is a big thing for us. We get asked that all the time um, because obviously peanut butter and our truffles would be phenomenal. But the issue that you have is peanut allergies are a matter of life and death yeah. with a lot of people. So we can't, we could do, uh, peanut butter or pe have peanuts in our factory. The issue you'd have is if there was ever a recall, ever an issue, ever anything to do with peanuts or from our factory or even universally, um, we would have to wipe our whole factory, like literally all of our inventory, all of our, it, just everything. And so that's just a gamble that we haven't been willing to make. Maybe at some point, if there's enough demand, we would have to more than likely separate out just an allergen portion of our factory and just produce anything that's allergen sensitive in a certain portion. We're just not there right now. Well, since you are the expert in this, if you had to wipe out a whole factory, and it sounds like you, 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 you know, you might've seen this or had to do this in the past, what does that entail? And if you, let's say there is like a recall on something, you have to wipe it out. Do you have to like, I'm thinking of all that chocolate. Like, could you sell it to someone who says, hey, I'll take that. <laughs> you know, I will take I, it. I, yeah, I'm sure you could. It, but what I would probably, luckily I haven't experienced that. And, and I don't believe in our previous uh, retail world that we experienced that either. It was more of a precaution. Um, you know, and the regulating bodies that come in and regulate our factory from the Department of Ag and Health and everything else, um, they let us know of that. And so we just steer away from it. Um, but yeah, you're talking full wipe down, like every nook and cranny, every piece of machinery, everything like that, wipe the factory. Now you could probably go sell that chocolate on the secondary market, but it would be similar to, if you didn't disclose it, um, it would be similar to selling somebody a, a branded title car without letting them know. Now, obviously there's some regulating issues there between there that they would probably catch that it's a branded title but 
I, I personally would not feel good about selling somebody something that was maybe tainted with a peanut allergy or something else that had an allergen in there without disclosing it. Because, yeah, ultimately, if, if it was a legitimate – now, if it's on some type of a black market side deal, that's a different question. I, I personally would stay away from that because people legally are, are going to follow that trail regardless. Um, but if you were to sell it to another company – they would have to have documentation. There's very strict documentation when you bring inventory into a factory, especially when they're selling to certain retail outfits. They have to be up to certain code that is regulated on a regular basis. They wouldn't just be able to bring in a rogue inventory. Um, it would have to be some side deal, you know, where someone's making chocolate out of their kitchen. Um, and and I personally wouldn't venture into that because the liability of it would be too high. We'd have too much to lose from that standpoint. I definitely, definitely understand that. What is, who is your, uh, we talked about dentists and doctors. Who's the, um, you know, what field most is your biggest client? Is it dentists, doctors? Is it hotels? Um, yeah. So our biggest clientele is in the, uh, believe it or not, in the insurance industry. And there's a good reason for that. So our, uh, my father-in-law, our family owns another uh, finance business that finances commercial insurance premiums. And that's really where the, the real formalization of private label came from is because that business, we started handing out private labels to clients in that business. And then it just took on a life of its own, became super popular. So most of our clients, and I would dare to say we've almost got a thousand different insurance agencies that order their own private label through us. Um, so definitely by far, probably half of our business right now is in the insurance industry. Wow. Were, were, were your family, were they the first client since they were <laughs> in the business? You say, hey, we... you know what? That's a good question. Um, yes and no. Uh, you know, I think there was. Uh, there were some private labels that were gifted at, at a certain point that probably brought on um, one of the finance company's clients prior to the actual finance company. Um, but I don't, you know, it, it was probably close. It was probably hand in hand of kind of where that started. And then prior to that, the retail companies did have a, a private label database of just random businesses locally that they would do some private labels for. So it was always there. It just wasn't something that was heavily marketed and it just grew organically over the years. And then as you start analyzing the numbers, you go, wow, we have relationships over here and we have healthy margin over here. Over here, we're doing is the bulk of our business, but it's low margin, high, uh, heavy uh, workload. Um, and absolutely no relationship because you don't know the people that are buying your stuff, you know, at Costco, like yeah, you may retain their information digitally through the website or whatnot. But other than that, you're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall and, and hope it grabs. And then you're analyzing based on that. So there's really no relationship on the consumer side um, from a hand to hand combat as to on the private label side. We saw, again, it was relationship, healthy margin and added value. And on the retail side, it was low margins, heavy workload, um, diversification, and no relationship. And it was just kind of like, okay, let's let's maybe revisit this because it wasn't a monetary decision. It wasn't a matter of um, let's just solely focus on the money and go get, 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 get. It was let's try to build something that's healthy that will last through the years.
No, that that that's good. And you guys have also built a podcast, which you might be the only chocolate company with a podcast. <laughs> How did that come about? Yeah, so I'm, and I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of of Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. Um, you know, it took me a while to warm up to his stuff, and and I'm sure he's accustomed to that. But you know, I learned from his modalities. Uh, you've just got to get yourself out there, and in a digital age, um, we're kind of moving away. I feel like the business industry is moving away from the the salesman, simply because I see. Still, we used to have to go to salesman because we didn't have the data to make a good decision. It's like when you're buying a car. You'd have to go take somebody's word for it because I didn't have the access necessarily even on the Internet to say, hey, is this a good deal? Is it not a good deal? Which model is best? Back in the day, you didn't know that stuff. Now it's like I can be at a car dealership. I can pull up any information I want. I can see comparative you know, cost on cars. I can see the difference in the models. I can make an educated decision. So, you know, we're now in this digital world where you've got to get value-added content out there um, and add value to people as opposed to sell them your product. So I'm just looking at it now where I'm going, the area that we add value, as I've stated before, is teaching people how to sell, market, and brand themselves. And that's been my whole uh, path in, in my career. And so I'm like, man... I would love and I'm passionate about that and I would love to teach other people how to grow and build their business, whether they're a salesperson or a business owner. And then uh, private label landed on my lap and I'm going, how easy is this? I can take the tried and true philosophies that I've learned and been able to, to develop, you know, a, a healthy career and now apply chocolate to it. I'm kind of going that that's a no brainer and, and something that I love to do. And so that's kind of where the podcast came from was now I'm able to, to divulge that information in, in an audio format. Um, and I won't say, you know, I don't have some elaborate studio running. I just jumped in and I'm like, let's just go. Let's just get content out there. I want to teach people how to use the chocolate. I don't want to just sell people chocolate with their logo on it. I get that that's great. But if it just sits in a closet, then I'm just going to have stagnant clients that I'm sitting there trying to kick a dead horse going, order more chocolate, order more chocolate. Instead, I've said, okay, what formats can I get value added content out there? And podcast is one, you know, I could sit there and go on for a half hour on how to get past the gatekeeper without chocolate. And then now I have the ability to add chocolate to it from a private label, multiple standpoints and add value to somebody on, hey, here's how you use the chocolate once you buy it, or if you're considering buying it, here's how to use it to get past the gatekeeper. And somebody may sit there and go, oh, wow, yeah, I, you know, that's one of my biggest issues is I'm knocking on doors or I'm trying to get in even digitally, and I can't. So now I'm able to teach them, here's how to do it, but then you apply chocolate to it, and it's probably going to compress that time frame by about 50%. And so you yeah, that's use- where the podcast came from. Okay, and you can easily find the podcast on the private label chocolate.net website. Are you yep. using what platform are you using? I know you're on Spotify and all that. Are you using yep. Anchor or? Yep, so I'm just using Anchor. Um, that was the path of least resistance. I was, you know, doing all this homework of setting up a studio and talking to all these different people. And don't get me wrong, I will get there. I just didn't know enough information to go spend, you know, thousands of dollars and set up this big elaborate studio. 
And I'm just like, man, I don't want to wait. Like it's that analysis paralysis. I didn't want to sit there and hold and wait to do a podcast. So when I heard about Anchor, I actually had one of my strategic partners come to me and say, hey, I know you want to start a podcast. Have you ever seen this app? And I'm like, I saw the app, I looked at it, and I said, let's just go. You know, I don't, I don't want to do analysis paralysis and spend all this time on building out a studio. Let me get out. Let me get some content out there and just go with it, even if it's not the top quality, um, and just go with it. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at right now is Anchor, and then I'm just going to grow from there. And Anchor is such a great platform, and that's what our main platform is, too, because oh, cool. it pays you day one. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and that's the biggest yeah. thing is don't wait. Like if you're a business, it's not really a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. You've got, you've got to get out there and you've got to get content and you've got to add value to other people. There's so much information that's available out there that you've got to get your information out and you've got to add value because the day of people coming to you and needing you to sell them on the product, on their product, is gone. There's just too many options that are available out there and there's too much information. Um, so yeah, I believe everybody should have a podcast. All It's no different than video. It's no different than social media. It's just another way to get content out there. I, I totally agree with you because everyone needs their own platform. It's, it's like a diary. My wife and yeah. I have an anonymous one that I, I promise never to say the name, never to promote, but we can <laughs> just sit there in friendly and sometimes not so friendly debate with yeah. aliases. And actually I said, well, I'll never argue for free again because <laughs> I, what I saw that first episode do so yeah, no, it's um I have a few podcasts, but yeah, everyone needs a podcast for, you know, you and your kids may need a podcast to figure some yeah. things out. Well, we're, you know, is and I'm not trying to copy Gary Vaynerchuk, but you know, we're all so busy nowadays that yeah, it's weird how it's evolved and technology has evolved. As you look back, it used to be all YouTube, 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 YouTube. But the problem is you've got to sit there. You don't have to, but it's made to sit there and watch the video along with the audio. Well, now we're getting so efficient. We've got so much stuff that comes to us that it's like most people don't want to sit there and stare at a video. I mean, we're driving, we're walking, we're engaging, we're doing different stuff. I can be working and be listening and absorbing content while I'm working. So I, I really think that audio is going to be, it's not going to go anywhere. It's only going to get better in ways to absorb audio. So you might as well start, get your podcast out there. And the main thing is just get your content out there. It's, you know, your value added content, you just got to get it out there and podcast is a, a brilliant way to do it. And it's not hard. No, it's not hard, but you know, the future probably looks like something Seth Godwin's, you know, probably written about where our cars are moonlighting for us while we're doing our jobs and that these scooters that are on every corner become, you know, skates and that they, they too will drive us and we can watch all the video on our Google type glasses and and just be totally disconnected except in the digital world. But yeah. I'll True. be old by then. Um, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
No, that all this is good, and and, and I'm I'm so I'm I'm just so happy to see a company forward thinking of you know from the podcast to what we want to do in the future. It's refreshing because yeah. a lot of times you get the old fuddy duddy like, no, we did it like this for eighty years, and if it was good enough for my grandpa, it was good enough for me, and that's we're yeah. not in your grandpa's age. Um, that is what creates blockbuster. So. Everybody, well, and my whole yeah. thing is, is use those old tried and true philosophies like that. That's not a problem, mm-hmm. but just innovate with them. It, it, it's kind of going back and I won't go off on a tangent here, but it's like social media. Everybody's like, well, it's ruining society because people are just sitting there, you know, in the corner and watching other people. Well, that's the problem. Like engage if you're old school and there's, uh, there's stuff that you like to do in the old days, but that's fine. Still engage with people, still meet face to face. Still use the phone. Still, you know, if you want to do printed materials, still do it. But don't just be ignorant to the other evolution that's going on. Use it all. And it, even it, let's say you're somebody that knows how to use direct mail really well. You don't have to stop that. Keep doing what you're doing. Still use direct mail. I'm not saying that's the most efficient way to do it. But if you're effective at it, still do it. But just don't be ignorant to all the other stuff. Just start to adapt. And at least know enough to be dangerous. You don't have to be a specialist in podcasts to get started. You don't have to be a specialist in SEO and all this other stuff. Just don't be ignorant to it. Adopt, start to adopt it with your old tried and true philosophies. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I to- totally, totally agree. Um, totally agree. Everyone, check out privatelabelchocolate.net find out for your next party your next event how to stand out ty i want to thank you for for coming on as a final question we always like to ask yeah we always like to ask our guests what is your community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future yeah so that's that's a great question um we're still formulating that especially in an age where that is something that's you know talked about um, one thing that we do already do right now, and this is going to seem a little bit like an oxymoron, but we do have, you know, what we call rejects and we do have excess chocolate um, that we can't reuse. Most of it, we can melt it down and reuse it. But what we can't do is when it starts expiring, we only have, you know, 30, 60 days to still use some of that chocolate. Um, we will take it to the homeless. Uh, now, whether that's nutritious um, or not, um, hopefully it can make someone's day, um, you know, to where they can enjoy a, a good piece of chocolate, a high quality piece of chocolate. And then the other thing that we do um, that I'm actually have seen that uh, that I would like to expound more on with our business is in retirement and uh, other uh, communities, being able to just hand out a piece of chocolate just because we have a wrap and, and this is, I'm not trying to sell this. We have a wrap on our website that actually came about from this. that just says just because on it. And I have this dream somewhere in the future, especially when we have the monetary ability to do it is just to be able to go out and just hand somebody a piece of chocolate, whether it be in the airport. And, and again, we do this at a small scale right now, but I would love it to become more of a pay it forward movement um, and maybe even give a, a heavy discount on that chocolate when they order it. It's just when you're about, you know, I carry around a backpack with my chocolate in it and just hand somebody a piece of chocolate. Like when you're at the airport and you see the janitor cleaning the bathroom, hand him a piece of chocolate. When you're, you know, visiting your grandma at a retirement community, maybe just walk down the hall and 
hand out a piece of chocolate to five people. Um, people love chocolate. It's, it's not just a good tasting sugary thing. It's, it's an emotional experience. And so my dream would be, you know, to be able to give back monetarily um, to other charitable aspects, but I would love to create this environment where somebody could just go on, order some chocolate and just use it to make someone's day and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, enjoy this piece of chocolate and uh, just know that I'm thinking about you. Somebody cares. And so that would be kind of my ultimate goal is to be able to create a pay it forward model with the chocolate for somebody to be able to do that. Cause I think it go, could go a long ways. And I do see it going a long ways with what we already do. Um, like I said, at retirement facilities, homeless shelters and stuff like that. Oh, wow. No, that's I, when you said that my mind thought, you know what? that could be a great like Valentine's or I need to get yeah. back on our good gracious uh, list. Like, let me get her a whole bunch of chocolate. So every day she picks <laughs> that chocolate, she's thinking about me and it can say, yeah. I love you or something like, no, that's yeah. okay. No, that, that, that's awesome. And everybody likes a treat since you're not binge, yeah. you know, killing people with, you know, the big King size bag. That Correct. They yeah. That, 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 it's that's a quick good. little, and that's the beauty of the marketability of it. People taste it and they go, oh my word, this is super good. Where'd you get it from? And so from a business standpoint, that's the value. But, you know, in a bigger picture, yeah, we do. If you, if you go on our website, we do have a wrap that says sorry on it. And you know, we get a, a decent amount of orders on that. Um, you know, my, my father-in-law always jokes around. He's like, I keep a bag on me at all, <laughs> all times from a business standpoint to a personal standpoint to a, relationship standpoint and so yeah there there is a lot to it so well i could see that video giving you know chocolate away um i'd love to see that giving it away that's definitely something i it's you know movie quality i can see that and i can also see news covering that uh chocolate company gives chocolate to the homeless so um i'll I'll be looking out for 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 that yeah, and it's just a gen, you know, it's got to be a genuine thing. It's got to be heartfelt for it to really work. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Well, I thank you for taking the time today. And uh, once you. this I'm post- happy. my honor. So I think this is a good place to stop our dialogue for this episode and allow you, the listeners, to join the conversation and keep the dialogue going with us online. You can do so by visiting our social media at Facebook, Diversified Game Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter, Game Diversified, online, diversifiedgame.com. In your life with the people around you and or join our Patreon and get some nice perks for being involved. If you found a nugget and or like today's episode, you might as well leave a review. And if you leave a review, you might as well share it. If you share it, you might as well subscribe. And as always, thanks for your support. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and A.L., the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.